exercise his, he has a, a knack to make sin acceptable. In other words, he camouflages his activities. They do. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Don't seem so bad. This couldn't be me. Couldn't be you. He actually lulls us to sleep and blinds us to the consequence of his strategy, the destructive, enslaving nature of sin. And the sad thing is, is most people, when they are ensnared or under the control of sin, they do not see the consequences till it has done great damage to their life, some, they've even become so enslaved it's almost impossible to be free. And then they recognize the snare. I want to preach tonight on the window of witchcraft. And it may come as a surprise, this process, tonight to many of you. 1 Samuel chapter 15 I'm not going to read, I'll be referring to the entire story, but for the sake of time, I want to read verse 22 and verse 23. Now Samuel here is speaking to King Saul. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams, listen to this statement, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He, has, he also has rejected you, from being king. Now think with me a moment. Because you have rejected the word or the truth of God, He also has rejected you from your position in the earth as king. Father God, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your presence and spirit in this place, the testimonies, the worship the praise, the prayers of Your people. God, we thank You tonight and I ask Your anointing. I ask, God, that You bring truth that will set and bring deliverance. Heal sick bodies tonight. Cast down curses and bring deliverance to Your people, their minds and spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. The window... Of witchcraft. First of all, I want to examine with you rebellion. 
This word is simply to fight against authority. Instead of obedience, there's a define of authority. There's a disobedience. It is the setting of the will to disobey. Lisa had no idea what I was going to preach on. I was amazed when she began to talk about this in her life and the consequence of it. But when you talk about rebellion, you're talking about anarchy. You're talking about disorder. You're talking about chaos. You're talking about mob rule. You're talking about the casting off of authority. Now, this is the nature of Satan himself. His nature was and is that of rebellion. And to understand this, to understand his nature, is to understand the root of rebellion. The record is recorded in heaven. It speaks these words in Job. It says, For you have said in your heart, or in Isaiah, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now here is a, is a testimony about the devil himself. And he said, I will ascend, I will exalt myself, I will rebel against God and the place He has placed me in. I will set my will against God. The issue of rebellion is the will. This is a decision against the knowledge of God. We find this in the garden in Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In other words, he called into question, and not only called into question, but he began to oppose and defy the known will of God in this woman's life. The serpent's rebellion is to mount a war against God, His will, and His kingdom. In other words, to understand the nature of the serpent is to understand His nature is to destroy God's authority. His desire is to bring chaos and disorder in the earth. In Revelations 12, verse 7, "...and war broke out in heaven." Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What you're talking about there is a picture of a rebellion. This is evident in America today. As we sit here tonight, it's very evident in our society. Pastor Lamb touched some of these areas this morning. There's a rebellion against God in our schools. They literally rose up throughout prayer and throughout the Bible. There's a rebellion against God in the home. We're studying that in Sunday school. 
where they have risen up and they've thrown out God's order and design. There's a rebellion against God in creation. Male and female made He Him. In the homosexual uh, movement in the earth, um, in the perverted move in the earth, they are saying in America, they're rising up and there's a rebellion. They're casting God out. We see a rebellion in our society, in the streets, the chaos, the resistance, the defiance of authority. You see, rebellion caters to man's pride. No one is going to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. This is the voice of this generation. I can do it without God. I will do what I want to do. I don't have to do what God says. And that is the spirit of our nation and the mindset of in many, many circles tonight. You see, the serpent, when he wanted to mount and release a rebellion in human nature, he catered to Eve's pride. He enlisted her to his rebellion against God by touching and catering to her pride. In Genesis 3, 5, he said, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was his strategy then. That's his strategy today. You've been mistreated, Eve. God has given you a raw deal. God doesn't care about you. And you don't need to listen to God. You don't need God. And God knows the moment you partake of this, you're going to cast off His authority. Pride says, I can live my life independently from God and His will. And that's the statement in America today, by and large. I can live my life independently from God and His will. You see, rebellion is released when you and I actively choose to do so against God. In Job 41, he talks about Leviathan. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. I've seen people powerfully delivered when this verse of Scripture was quoted to them. I've seen people who were demon-possessed. There's something powerful in this verse, far more than I understand. But he writes and he says, Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? His rows of scales are his pride. He beholds every high thing. His king is over all the children of pride. Leviathan, in Isaiah 27.1, it calls him the piercing serpent. And so the serpent is, his nature, he caters to our pride to enlist us in his rebellion against God. The forces, this, the focus rather, of his rebellion is against God, against church leadership, and against headship in the home. That's the focus. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but that's the focus of rebellion in the earth. It is against God, it is against church leadership, and it is against headship in the home. 
He knows that if he is successful in mounting this rebellion on this three-pronged front, that out of that he will bring total chaos, disorder, and anarchy. And behind the cover of this anarchy and chaos, he can work all kinds of turmoil and he can bring destruction and despair. Think about Russia this evening for a moment. Here was a mighty force in the earth on the outward appearance, but here was a nation that, that publicly and loudly they shouted their rebellion against God. Uh, not only did they deny that God existed, they touted their atheism and they closed churches. And in the process of this massive chaos that strung back and forth across Russia, they became totally calloused and harsh against people. Only history will tell all that they did behind the scenes. But you see, what happened in that rebellion, and I'm not talking about bringing down the Iron Curtain. I was just talking to Bill Coolidge, though, who was just in Russia. He says, you must go, Joe. It will overwhelm you. The alcoholism is unbelievable. Nothing works. There is such despair. There is such lostness of hope. It is such a hopeless, discouraged nation. He said, I have never felt a spirit like this in all the earth. That was all working behind the scenes of their rebellion against God. In the United States today, we have killing streets. You've heard me preach on all of this. I'm, not, I'm just making a statement. We have homes that are disrupted and broken. We're the drug capital of the world. Riots, um, we could go on and on. But I want to tell you this evening, just to underline a little bit what Pastor Lamb said, um, Russia fell. Their influence fell. They crumbled. I want to tell you that as we rebel against God, we may take a different path of rebellion, but we will fall just as assuredly as they fell. Our nation is unraveling at the seams of our society. In 1960, there was a rebellion that rose up in America. My generation led that rebellion and that opened this nation to a spirit. And today, that spirit is bearing the fruit of insanity, anarchy, and totally out of control. Now listen carefully to what I'm going to say. You see, the deception of rebellion we find here in this life of King Saul. Here was a man that was called by God. Here was a man who was prophesied and he prophesied. Here was a man who won great victories for God, and yet he's totally deceived in his own rebellion. See, when we think about a rebel many times, we think about some kind of spiritual wart. Amen? We think about something that's twisted, repulsive, and ugly, um, and some kind of horror from hell drama. 
But you see, and in that analogy, we say that could never be me because I do not have the appearance of this twisted spiritual wart. We have a picture of the rebellion as somebody with their eyes bulging, their voice is screaming, and their fist is raised in the face of God. And that's our picture many times of a, reb- of a rebel. Amen? Now think with me for a moment. Uh, King Saul was not that kind of picture of all. He was a picture of God's man returning from a great victory for God. Listen to the words that come from his mouth. Verse 13, these are not the words that you would think a rebel would speak. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. In verse 20, in our text there, And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission on which God sent me, and I brought back Agag, king of Amalekite. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now, this is not the picture many times of what we paint in our mind of a spiritual rebel. He's totally deceived. You see, rebellion this evening is simply a decision to disobey God. It is a simple choice where we are unwilling to obey God. We can make that decision with our will. It can be in the silence of our soul. While we're smiling, lifting our hands, praising God, and in the silence of our soul, we make a decision that we are going to disobey or we are not going to obey God. And right there, the seed of the serpent's nature, rebellion, is sparked against the pride of our soul. This is complicated in America. Because in America, the democracy idea is my rights, my options, and we like multiple choice. We don't mind doing the will of God as long as the will of God is what we want to be doing. Amen? We have no problem with that. And so this is preached and touted much in American Christianity The message in many churches today is simply we choose whatever we desire and we expect God to honor that and to bless what we decide. King Saul, think with me for a moment, he's walking in partial obedience. God told him, I want you to go out. I'm sick of these Agagites, these Amalekites. I want you to go down There are no prisoners. Take no prisoners. I don't want you to take any spoils. I want you to go out. I've got a job for you to do. He goes out. He wins a great victory for God. They totally overrun the enemies of God. But he only walks in partial obedience. He brings back King Agag. And he brings back the best of the spoils. Now... You see, partial obedience many times is not acceptable with God. But it's acceptable to us. Okay? 
King Saul had no idea the seriousness of his sin that day. That's the nature of rebellion. Listen to me. That's the nature of rebellion. We do not recognize its seriousness. We never imagine it could be us. Um, I have no idea. When he saw Samuel, the thought in the Hebrew, he is rejoicing. He runs out and says, Praise God! It's so good to see you, Samuel. I have obeyed the commandment of God. And, and death, the renting of his destiny, is laying before him, and he doesn't even see it. That's the nature of rebellion. He's totally deceived. Now right here we get some insight to witchcraft. This is what Samuel is saying. No doubt this is what overwhelms him when he sees Saul, when he sees his spirit. Maybe he's expecting him to be in remorse. Maybe he's expecting him to be fearful. But he sees him. He's overwhelmed in his mind. And as, as Saul is making all of these statements, Samuel looks at him and he says, Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. See, the issue of witchcraft this evening is control. And again, most of the time when we think of witchcraft, we think of sorcery and all kinds of magic. And this is where the word originates, drugs and potions and spells. But there's far more to witchcraft than that. The devil is far more subtle than that. The issue of witchcraft is simply control. You see, the devil tonight is looking for access to your mind. He is looking for an open window into your mind. Let's go back to Eve in the garden. There's no sign of drugs here. There's no sign of magic. There's no sign of bones and dust and potions. The issue, though, in the serpent's relationship with Eve is control. His control over God's control. And right there you have witchcraft. In verse 1 it says, The serpent was more subtile. That word is me. He was more cunning. He was artful. He was skillful. He was very crafty at gaining access to the control of Eve's mind. He lies. He twists the truth. He's an accuser. He's a master at mental manipulation. He uses envy. He uses jealousy. He uses lust, hate, all kinds of things. Um, but listen to what I'm saying. He is always looking for access to your mind. If you understand that tonight, you're a long way to understanding witchcraft. He is looking for an open window whereby he can gain access to your mind this evening. You know what Eve said? She said, the serpent beguiled me. The serpent deceived me. He gained entrance. He gained access. He mentally led me astray. You know what the serpent did? He broke down the defenses of Eve's mind. He twisted her mind into making a sinful choice. He gained access to her mind. Are you following me? That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. 
See, we're not talking about Dungeons and Dragons tonight. We're not talking about Ouija boards. We're talking about control and access to the human mind. Now, here's a woman that had walked with God. She had had fellowship with God. But you see, the issue was witchcraft. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, But I fear, least somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says the serpent, by his craftiness, he's deceived Eve, and in that process, he corrupted, he infected her mind, he gained control of her mind. Witchcraft is the devil looking for access to the mind for his control. Are you following me? That's what witchcraft is this evening. The devil looking for access. He's looking for a window into your mind whereby he can gain control. Listen to what I'm going to say. You know where that access is? The access, listen to what I'm saying. The access that he is looking for is the will of man. The devil's access to your mind is through the human will. The will tonight is very powerful. This is God's given defense for the mind. You see tonight, the truth is, your mind has to honor the decisions of your will. This is an astounding, powerful truth. Your mind has to honor the decisions of your will. The direction, the door, the window of your mind is controlled by your will. In other words, if Satan can enlist your will, then the window of your mind is open. He gains access. And that's witchcraft. Probably the greatest illustration I know of this, and I've shared this with you, but it's probably the greatest illustration I know. When my wife and I were in Malaysia, and uh, uh, both of us were going through culture shock, Connie was having horrendous mind battle. She didn't want to be there. Because she did not want to be there, her mind was running rampant. She didn't like the people. She didn't like the city. She was disgusted with the food. She did not want to be there. She wanted to be in USA, home of the free, land of the free, home of the brave, apple pie, motherhood, no glory. That's what she wanted. She was tired of hearing people speak Mandarin and Cantonese. She didn't want Indian food. And so her mind is running rampant. You've heard me tell this story. I called Pastor Mitchell. After about several weeks, we were back and forth. I called him. I said, Connie wants to come home. He said to me, tell her she can't come home. I turned to her. I said, Connie, Pastor Mitchell says, you can't go home. We can't go home. We've been invested in. We've got a job to do here. You can't go home. And you know what? Immediately, the door and the window of her mind was closed, and she loves the place. She accepted that decision. Her will engaged, and when her will engaged, that window that was open through the devil was running rampant and controlling that window slammed shut. 
she began to love the people. She began to love the food. She began to love the place. Uh, she loved everything about it. That's the power of the human will. See, this is the reason why spirits can't just, you're not just walking along with it. Boing! You know, all of a sudden, the spirit's got you, man. It's running rampant in your mind, you know. It's lust ripping out your ears, you know, running out your mouth and nose, and you're totally out of control. That's, that's not true, see. Spirits can't do that. But you see, when we talk about being bewitched, we're talking about your will has been enlisted and you have opened a door and the devil has gained access to your mind and he's controlling. I want to come back to the truth here. Rebellion is the devil's strategy to seduce your will into betraying the mind. In rebellion, you open the door to the window of your mind. You open the window of your mind to the devil. Eve knew what God said, but the moment he enlisted her will, the moment she engaged to rebel against God, he gained access. King Saul was so deceived, he didn't even know that entrance had been gained into his mind. Let's go back to the verse. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What witchcraft is, is where you lose the ability to govern and to rule in your own thoughts. That's what witchcraft is. You lose the ability, you lose control. You lose the ability to rule, to govern in your own mind. And that's what makes rebellion so dangerous and deadly. This is what Samuel is talking about. The moment we rebel against God, the moment we rebel against truth, the moment we rebel against headship, we literally open the window of our mind and then confusion Doubt, unbelief, torment. We have lost the right to govern in our own mind. 2 Timothy 3.8 Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, listen to what Paul's saying, so do these also, they resist the truth, men of corrupt minds. In other words, as they rebelled against truth, their minds were corrupted. This is why people who will not submit to God, they will not submit to godly advice, godly direction, or godly counsel. They always have problems. They always have problems. This is why when you read the Word of God and you hear truth and you set your will and says, I don't care what God says. Now, you may not say that, but the moment you set your will and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to do that. And you begin to excuse yourself or you begin to plan some kind of game in your mind. The moment you do that, you have literally opened a window of your mind and you have lost an element of rule and dominion over your own mind. Are you listening carefully to me? You got a problem with lust? If you'll lock, if you'll lock your will in, 
And I'm going to deal with some other things in closing. But if you'll lock your will in. Ain't just everything that comes flying over your head. This is what salvation is all about. You shall know the truth and it shall set you free. I have given you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Greater is He that is in you than He. All of these Scriptures about salvation is your will is liberated in salvation. Now you can set your will. You can slam shut the windows of your mind where spirits of hell have been walking in and out and trafficking and controlling and enlisting and tempting and deceiving. The moment you set your will, you'll be amazed. You can break any habit. You can, the moment you set your will and lock your will, your mind and your entire body will engage itself to bring that to pass. I don't care if it's smoking cigarettes, shooting heroin, drinking alcohol, cursing, picking your nose, whatever it is, uh, you, can, you can be free. But until you set your will, this is why some people, I've prayed for people over and over again. I've had people come to me time and time again. And you can pray for them, but until they set their will, their windows of their mind are open because they're rebelling against what God says He has done for you and I. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now we understand this. We've, we've moved in this truth concerning bitterness. We understand that bitterness, you've seen me pray and other, Pastor Mitchell, many people pray, and we've seen that bitterness opens the door to the body and arthritis just walks right in. And when bitterness is cast out, the arthritis, the pain is broken and it's driven out. We've seen that over and over and over again. All kinds of people heal. This cane here represents that. But it's also true, let's move from the physical body now to the mind. That's what he's saying to King Saul. He says, rebellion, Saul, you need to understand. You have opened, you're doing this. You're saying, we're going to give sacrifice to God. We're going to do this. I want you to know, obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When you rebel, Saul, you literally gave access in your mind to witchcraft. You gave a control. You lost the ability to rule. Your own thoughts. Rebellion is far more serious than most Christians understand. I just don't believe God. Or I just don't believe that. I got my own ideas. Saul, an evil spirit came upon him. He eventually went to the witch at Endora. The kingdom was torn from him that day, and he ended up in suicide. And you know what opened the window to his mind? was the day he rebelled against God. He rebelled in the material. I just throw that in. He rebelled. He brought back spoils, and he brought back... I don't know why he brought back King Ahag... 
Maybe he never had a king before. You know, maybe he wanted this, this something to play with or, or, or something to entertain him. I don't know why he did it. Uh, perhaps he said, you know, uh, I'll you know, humiliate this guy for a month or two and then I'll have him beheaded. I don't know what was in his mind, but you see, God said that is unacceptable. Not only God, but you see, when you and I rebel against God, God Himself can help us. When we rebel against God, when we resist truth, God Himself cannot rescue us. Because that's the nature of the serpent. I just um, heard an account out of Paul Campos' church in, uh, back on the Cape and... Uh, Ron Bennett, his assistant pastor there, they had a young girl that had gone to the church some time ago, and she backslid, left the church, um, uh, and she was, uh, she was murdered. If, if, if I got all the facts straight, she was murdered. And uh, her mother came up from Florida. It was really a bad scene. Her mother didn't know anyone in the area, and uh, someone had told her that this girl had before went to Victory Chapel. And so... Uh, uh, they asked them to do the funeral, and Ron Bennett, the assistant pastor, did the funeral. Now, in this funeral, he's preaching a message. He says it wasn't, wasn't hard, wasn't unkind, it was truth, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't designed to antagonize anyone. But as he's preaching, a riot breaks out. This girl was associated with punk rockers, and these punk rockers mounted up, they come up to where he was speaking in this funeral home. They're screaming in his face. She didn't want that. We don't believe that. If she was here, she wouldn't want to hear this. We don't want... And a riot broke out. And the newspaper there on the Cape read headlines, big headlines, because the press was there because the nature of this girl's death. And they ran Victory Chapel Ruins Funeral. Now that's a picture of young people who've rebelled against God and they've lost control. I mean, you've got to be pretty brassy in a funeral home to get up and run up. And I'm talking about in his face, spit flying. I mean, it's a bad scene. That's a picture of a media that has rebelled against God and they've lost the ability to assemble and discern truth. They've lost control of their mind. That's what witchcraft is, beloved. The issue of witchcraft is control. There's men and women here tonight. In your mind, there's areas where you no longer rule. I ask you to check your heart that you have not rebelled, and in that rebellion you've opened a window and given access to your mind. I want to close with obedience this evening. Because this is the cure. Listen to what he says. To obey is better than sacrifice. Listen to me these few moments. Here is the crossroads of life in this scripture. Here we see the crossroads of life. The crossroads of life is a place where your will crosses God's will. Now let me say this can't be avoided. 
God is not going to give you your will all the time. Anybody that's been saved any length of time at all, you understand there are crossroads. Sometimes they're as simple as going to church or outreach or tithing or very simple stuff, but I'm really not focusing there. But I'm talking about, I'm speaking of deep-seated desires, goals and attitudes. I'm talking about personal plans. Personal plans that are so real, they're a part of our identity. And right there we have a crossroads and we collide head on with God's will. This is not going to happen every day. It's not necessarily going to happen every week. But there's times in your Christian walk, there's going to be a massive crossroads and you're going to collide with God's will. Right there is the cross. Right there is life or death to your destiny. I do not believe King Saul had the foggiest idea that everything he loved was going to be ripped from him that day. You read the text. I mean, he, he's not upset. He's not, I mean, he runs out to meet Samuel. He's filled with... He is so enslaved. The witchcraft has worked until he can't even see it coming. At this place, you will either follow God or you will rebel. Think with me for a moment about Peter. Peter's a man of God. He's a disciple. He has destiny. Jesus looks at Peter one day and He says to Peter, I must go to the cross and die. Now, Peter's not stupid. His dreams, his ambitions, his political future, what he's thinking... He's going to sit in national honor when Jesus raises up His kingdom here on earth. Peter's going to be there. His dreams, his plans, his future, his prosperity as he sees it, everything is dying before his eyes when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross and die. What does Peter say? He sets his will against the will of God and he says, not so Lord. He doesn't curse. He doesn't spit. It doesn't say he got angry. We know he could do all these things, but in his heart, he simply set his will against God. And what did Jesus say? He doesn't cater to him. He doesn't pity him. He doesn't console him, but he says a powerful thing Get behind me, Satan. Because he understood the thing I'm trying to tell you tonight, that rebellion is the spirit of Satan and opens the window of the mind to control by his spirit. Peter survives that. He goes on. But something has happened to Peter's mind. Something He's lost rule. And what happens not far down the road? He's standing by a fire. And there's a little handmaiden. She says, oh, I, I know you. You're, you're one of those Jesus people. And what does he do? Not me! 
Jesus has already prophesied, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. How did Jesus know that? I believe he knew it because he knew a window had been opened in Peter's mind and access had been given that day he resisted the cross and the will of God. Peter denies the Lord. He even curses. You see this thing is working in his life. It's gaining momentum. He's doing now that which he never expected that he would do. And Jesus turns those eyes upon him. Right here, you will either surrender your will to God or a seed of rebellion will be planted in your soul and a window of your mind open. You'll begin to lose joy. You'll begin to lose zeal. You'll begin to be frustrated. This is all the things Lisa was saying tonight. Had no idea what I was preaching. You begin to be confused. You begin to be depressed. You become cantankerous as a Christian. You begin to question calling. You begin to look for an exit. I want out. You will look to quit at the first opportunity. The first opposition, the first problem, the first adversity will be a signal to you to quit. Because in your will, you have lost the right to rule. Romans 1, 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, that's rebellion, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. I want to close with a quick thought. You know what repentance is? True repentance. You know what repentance does? It reunites our will with God's will. That's what genuine repentance does. It reunites our will with God's will. That's what salvation is. We come to an altar. We're bound. We're enslaved. Our mind is infected. We're in torment. And we repent. And our will is reunited with God's will. And those windows are slammed. And we rise up. And we have the ability now to say no to sin. And to cast off habits and to live for God. That's true when we get saved. It's true tonight as we are saved. True repentance is where God, you say, you're right, I'm wrong, and I will change. And at that moment, your will reunites with God's will, and there's a turning and an obedience. He said, listen to me, Saul. You're talking about this great sacrifice you're going to make to God. You're talking about this great gift of sheep and goats that you're going to make to God. Listen to me, Saul. Obedience is better than any sacrifice because it secures the soul. Every time we say no to Jesus, no to the gospel, and we rebel against truth, we lose a measure of control 
and we surrender our mind to demonic influence. This is what the Bible calls a reprobate mind when it runs its course. Would you bow your head with me this evening?